All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the On the Wrong Track podcast episode. I don't fucking know. Damn, that's how I've introduced like a lot of these now. Anyway, um, we are uh, gathered here today um, with our good friend Wilson. Um, I, I actually don't know much about you, Wilson. Um, uh, and we are going to be having a political discussion because we, I think we disagree on like 99% of things. Um, so I'll just leave it to you, Wilson. Uh, introduce yourself because I, I haven't really talked to you. Well, you know, it's the 1% that matters anyway. So True. Find some common ground, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm just a fresh, or I'm a first-year student here at Carolina. Um, I've been involved with politics my whole life just because, like, my dad um, has been in public office. He was, I guess, elected three months after I was born. So I've just been doing that for the most part. Um, and that kind of interest was passed on to me um you know i enjoy the the governance side of everything the politics is fun um but honestly i guess the point of me being here today is really just to see if you know a middle ground is obtainable um between people who disagree so so drastically uh, that, <laughs> that's the goal at least you know see if there's some sort of compromise on some issues that we can find because, you know, in most cases, the uh, the middle ground is the way to go. Yeah. And, and, like, in my view, we're kind of all in this together. Like, I sound like a fucking liberal. Oh, by the <laughs> way, I have my cup of liberal tears I'm drinking right now. So, um, anyway, uh, I think we can both agree on that. Fuck the libs. Um, <laughs> but, I never uh, put it like that, but I understand the sentiment. <laughs> I, I, I see the political correctness coming out here. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think we're all in this together to make our lives better, you know? And I, I, yeah, that's, sure. that's why I do this and why I make, my, I, I make an effort to talk to people who I disagree with. Because I feel as if I'm right. Um, but uh, you know what? I want to I wanna get to the right answers, the real right answers. Because there's like two sides to every story. Uh, your exactly. side, my side, and the truth, etc. Um, so, oh god. Um, so yeah. Uh, fuck. So I guess first question: What are your thoughts? Uh, how would you describe yourself politically? Um, honestly, as time goes on, I find myself being uh more and more um like moderate. Well, um, like when I first started getting into politics around the time of the 2020 or sorry, not 2020, 2016 election, um, I was very new to it. And, you know, I was, I was younger. Um, I guess I was about uh, 14, 15 at the time, you know, so I, I, I just said stuff for a reaction. Like I was like, oh, build the wall. And then as I've grown up, I've kind of realized that that's maybe not the best way to govern or really even to run for office. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, there's kind of been a little bit of a political awakening in me about, like, what I, what I truly believe and everything. Um, and, like, with this election specifically, I think it's really important for people to know what they believe because it's, it's a very it, – it's a difficult decision that people are going to have to make when they go to the, when they go to the ballot boxes um, because, you know, there's really no – there's really no good choice. Um, it's like Simon Garfunkel once said, any way you look at this, you lose. 
Um, I would say I would advocate for third-party candidates, but unfortunately, Ross Perot is not around anymore. So I don't think we're going to see a third-party candidate win anytime soon. Interesting. Yeah, I, I love the Simon and Garfunkel. I love Simon <laughs> and Garfunkel. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's cool. So I guess who are you supporting now, or do you have have you made a decision? I mean, honestly. I don't like saying this, and I, I'm not comfortable saying I support either one, honestly. It, it's a mm. weird scenario this year. Um, I just, I'm, I'm not satisfied with the state of my party, the Republican Party. Um, we, there were some errors made in 2016, and that's led us to where we are now with uh, President Trump running against Vice President Biden. Um, and just... Part of me is holding out hope that Biden can just turn things around and really show that he's, you know, he's nothing like what Trump has said. Like, you know, this guy who's just slowly losing his his mind, you know, becoming an invalid. But at the same time, like in his best performances, I guess you could say it's not been I've not been impressed. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't been impressed by Trump by any means. You know, he's he's been. Just like, don't ever use the word smart with me and crap. But, you know, at least he's been active. He hasn't been reactive and he hasn't been just kind of like knocked out of balance, if that makes sense. Because if you remember the start of the uh, first presidential debate uh, a few days ago, like right out of the gate, it seemed like Biden was just kind of fuzzy. And he did better True. as time went on. But, I mean, you, you might have noticed this, but like, and, you know, um, when he would go after Trump for just being like crazy or like when Trump, for whatever reason, decided to bring his son into it. And Shut Biden, up, like, man. Like, like, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, leave my son out of it. He's like, I'm really proud of him. You know, it was really sweet. But then like two seconds later, he just dropped it. And like neither candidate really talked about it anymore. Yeah, dude, I completely agree. Um, I like I hate both parties. Just just. I mean, I hate the Republican Party just a, a little bit more. Like, they're just so far below. It, it's hard to tell the difference anymore. But <laughs> I, I think that uh, below, I mean, below the, the acceptable, like, I mean, in my view, humane set of policies and belief systems and ways of governance. Um, so I, I'm curious uh, that I, I did not expect that take. Um, what, what are your faults with the Republican Party? nowadays um so nationally i'll be honest with you i'm not really satisfied with how things are um within the state of north carolina uh, which is something i feel i have a bit more um expertise in i'm definitely happier with how things are i, I feel like statewide we've got a decent list of candidates and uh, you know people that are in charge of everything but nationally as soon as we elected Trump, it just became, it, it's a different kind of party. He exploited just, I mean, the Republican Party will always support its candidate, you know? Like, that's just how the party is. Like, and so Trump was definitely able to take advantage of that. And so he has this weird kind of control over federal Republicans, but kind of not. It's, it's a weird thing. Um, I don't like it. I think anyone like any elected official should be able to stand up and be like, hey, Mr. President, I don't agree with what you're doing. 
I'm going to, I'm not going to vote this way just because, you know, it hurts my state, hurts my constituents, um, you know, for whatever reason. But we're not seeing that anymore. It, it's all about towing the line. And I understand that. Like I said earlier, you know, Republicans will always tow the line and support their candidate most times. Um, but it's just gone to a whole nother level. Like, if you're not with Trump, he will, like, come down and make sure you lose an election. Like, it's almost like he'd rather have um, his political opposition in your seat rather than you because you're some sort of, like, turncoat in the party, you know? Yeah, it, it seems very personality cultish. Like, mm-hmm. and I really don't appreciate that. Um like you can call me like like a like a, a commie like jobless commie whatever, but like personality cults like fuck. I mean, I mean, I'm joking there, of course, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I really agree with you on that. I, I think that both parties do this a lot. I think both parties toe their line uh, and just fulfill their corporate interests. I mean, because we both got to acknowledge that both parties are both completely bought. Like, they're, they're bought, paid for by, I mean, mostly by the same industries, if you really look at the numbers. Um, and they both, I mean, it seems like they don't agree on much, but they all always uh, fall in line when it comes to things like military budgets, um, contracts for um, Raytheon, uh, etc. Like, these massive, massive corporations, like the, the COVID uh, legislation that came out, um, mm-hmm. the CARES Act. Everybody kind of agreed on that when, in fact, that that just gave like a $1,200 check to people and also what would become if the Federal Reserve doubles it, uh, 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 uses their power, uh, will become $4 trillion in uh, basically needless um, financial aid for massive corporations like disproportionately people, companies like Boeing, uh, Walmart. All these companies that are doing completely fine are completely solvent. Everything like uh, the banks, etc. Um, and I think that's a really big problem. Um, now, just for my, just so you know, um, my take on corporate bailouts is, in principle, I wouldn't say I have a problem with them. I don't like them, obviously, because I'm a small government kind of guy. I'm not a fan of them. Um, but in practice, the fact is there are times where, you know, that's required to help the country. But I don't like how it's been done um, historically, like in the early, like in 2008 um, with the bailouts or 2010. I, remember, I can't remember the exact year. But, like, they gave these bailouts and, like, we never got that money back, you know. Like, this is our money. Like, this is American taxpayers' money. Um, so I feel like it should be treated like a loan. Um, you like we give this loan to the businesses, but they pay that back as well as interest. You know, it's not the American people's responsibility to make up for their uh, failures as business people, and it should mm-hmm. never be that way. Um, yeah, I'm glad we agree that like the government just casually spitting in like hundreds and of billions of dollars into the economy with no strings attached. It's a good yeah. thing. I mean, a bad thing, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that at least this shapes my philosophy. I, I believe fundamentally that um, government, um, if there is a government, uh, should always serve its people pri- primarily. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's my core problem here with these bailouts because, like, uh, I don't know if you heard, but uh, over the course of the pandemic, um, I don't remember who came out with these numbers. Maybe somebody listening could just link me uh, an article. But uh, billionaires uh, nationwide or worldwide became about a uh, trillion dollars richer. Um, yeah, th- that's the fastest growth of billionaire wealth I, I think we've ever seen. Um, but it's primarily because uh, our governments don't step in and actually help regular folks. Like right now, um, uh, the latest numbers I saw was like 43% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, mm-hmm. Or no, or was that the, the expense? I, I think uh, somebody needs to link me these. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thank you, listener. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it, it's, we have a lot of problems here economically. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you mentioned North Carolina, like we have a problem here because a lot, I think we are, we're pretty high up on the list of um, people not insured uh, medically, like they don't have health insurance. Um, and we've refused to allow a Medicare expansion as, as a part of Obamacare. I mean, which we'll see if that gets repealed and all that shit goes away, but there, uh, that's, I think, oh, sorry, you go ahead. There, there's a lot of people right now who are suffering. Um, they're being evicted from their homes. They got fired from their job. Uh, I think unemployment is still at like 10%, but that's that's not the real unemployment rate. That's just the baseline what um, what the government uh, shows us. But uh, mm. not uh, you know you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. So we have a lot of problems. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that there are our problems um i think the number is like maybe half a million um i heard that i heard that number i think like that's what um medicaid uh expansion would be i think that's what it is i think medicare is for the elderly um yeah i I get i get them mixed up oh yeah no for sure uh you know it's uh it's like the sat and act um just (laughs) kind of get them mixed up sometimes yeah you know there's it's half a million people uninsured and I have, and again, here's where the middle ground is, it is on this one to me. Um, I don't know if a grand expansion of the entire program is necessarily the best solution. Um, I don't know that the program, like Medicare and federal health care, is not, I don't think it's a great program anyway. I think there's better ways to do it. So, like, my biggest thing that I'm a big fan of uh, because some members of my family need this. Like my, uh, my little cousin, he was born with a congenital heart defect Mm -hmm. and my aunt and uncle, like they make good money. You know, my aunt works, uh, works for bank of America. Um, my uncle, he's like, uh, the head it guy for their entire school system down there. You know, they like, they make good money. Right. Even like affording, like, like it's unaffordable for them um, just because of how expensive it is. Like they would go broke paying for it. So I think the middle ground um, until we can get like a better system in place is uh, Medicare uh, waivers. Uh, so it's like, hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it just covers like X amount of money. I think is how it is. And, you know, for certain conditions, it'll kick in. It's like not for your entire family, but for like a specific member. And I think that makes a lot more sense. Like if you're, um, like if you're, if you're my age or your age, you know, we're young guys. Um, you know, I, I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty active, you know, we're at school, 
we're not at high risk of developing any severe uh, severe um, you know illnesses um, and so I think that expanding insurance in some ways isn't the smartest decision um, because it, it's not fiscally responsible and the program itself is just is flawed so I think it requires you know the repeal and replace approach to Obamacare as a whole is something I report uh, I support especially the the replace like I'm not a fan of just repealing it and not doing anything because as you said there's a clear need for it, um, in America there there's definitely a need and I think if people on both sides of the aisle can agree that this is you know this is something we need to work on it's gonna take time to find the best solution we have but in the meantime we just expand the waivers I think a lot of people will get the help they need uh, regardless of where they are you know what their income is and it gives them it gives them cover while the government is working on a better system to replace <laughs> Obamacare yeah I see my problem with the Medicare waiver program and if people don't know this is basically where um, uh, Medicare Medicaid they they cover people who would otherwise be in long-term care in like a hospital or uh, in a nursing home whatever I just think that and I, I disagree with you fundamentally. There are studies out there that show that Medicare as a, um, as a health uh, insurance program is extremely successful and extremely cost efficient, um, like in, at least for consumers and it's solvent financially on a governmental level. See, I believe that we should just do what LBJ uh, in 1965, when he passed the law, he talked about how in the next 10 years, he slowly wanted to get everybody onto Medicare. Kind of like how every other country does. I mean, most other uh, OCD, OECD countries, I mean, every OC, OECD country, like developed country, has um, everybody uh, with health insurance. And, but most countries um, do it kind of the way Bernie Sanders proposes with Medicare for All. Um, see, I support, um, if we just expand Medicare slowly, we kind of get rid of the problem that allows uh, health insurance costs, uh, premiums, co-pays, uh, all these really ridiculous concepts that are seen nowhere out, uh, else in the world uh, just go away and people can live their lives and they can, um, we don't see 30,000 people dying every year because they don't have access to health care. Uh, there's not people who are um, not who are cutting down on their uh, insulin doses and thus dying because uh, they want to save money on prescription drugs. See, there's there's many problems uh, with the idea that with the market incentives that exist, that businesses will somehow uh, and I point to Martin Shkreli uh, when he raised uh, the price of EpiPens by like a what a thousand percent. I mean, uh, uh, whatever it was. Um, I, I think there's just not an incentive to have a healthcare system as a whole. I'm, I'm not talking about just insurance anymore, obviously. That um, we, uh, that the government just doesn't step in. I, I think that we should um, give everybody the healthcare that our seniors have, which is pretty top of the line, I would say. Now, um, I, I like the idea, um, and I think it's a nice idea, but I one thing I don't support is making everyone get on that system. And I don't know if that's what you're uh, proposing, 
is that everyone is automatically on it because I think people should definitely have the option to opt out if they so choose. Um, but one one of the biggest uh, things that I'm not a fan of as far as, uh, you know, like Medicare for all is that in a country like Canada, where they have the healthcare systems like that, the wait times are are much, much longer. I think it's like three times longer. Like it could take you nine hours to see a doctor sometimes. Um, and um, obviously wait, you... and part of the issue also is that like America is on the cutting edge of like medical advancements and technical advancements. And so while there needs to be some sort of government uh, action to make sure they can't just raise the price as much as they want to, um, to like what, you know, price gouging, that's definitely an illegal practice and it should be. Um, they should be able to, you know, compete in a market because the added benefit of that is that they can fund uh, R&D programs to where they're always able to find something that's cheaper and more effective. And so I feel like, yeah, it's not great. It's certainly not great. There's not enough action being done to make sure that the system is, is properly enacted. But it's definitely produced some great benefits. Um, like the private incentives for you to go out and develop a new medicine is pretty great. Um, and the money you can make is, is pretty good as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah. part of that is due to price gouging. Um, but definitely there needs to be action against being able to just raise drug, like life-saving drugs as much as they want. But I don't think healthcare for all and no option to opt out is, is the greatest option we have right well, now. See, okay, under Medicare for All, uh, I'll get to the points that we were talking about there. By the way, it was only 550. It's only 550%. Um, I guess the... Oh, the, 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 yeah. the uh, price increase? Yeah, I, I think I was okay, getting confused yeah. with something else. But, uh, oh no, I was thinking of CEO pay. I always get, okay, I always get this confused. Um, yeah, my uh, with Medicare for All, people kind of get this idea that it's like, oh, you're going to get kicked off your private insurance. Typically, uh, Medicare provides more benefits. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you would, you would kind of be kicked off of it because, and it would be smarter to be kicked off of it because it's cheaper for you. It provides better benefits typically, um, things like that. And you can also get supplemental insurance for things like plastic surgeries, whatever. It's not like the government's telling you, hey, don't do this. It's basically the government paying for your health care. Like well, if you go to the doctor, it's kind of like in Canada, like you don't pay anything out of pocket. Uh, everything's just funded through tax dollars. Um, and also you said, uh, I can't remember what you said. It, it was something inaccurate um, about, oh, uh, the market incentives um, causing uh, companies to innovate with uh, new drugs and stuff. Most of that research that happens, and this is a common misconception, um, comes from public universities, actually. Um, most of this money is either from federal grants uh, given to private universities or um public money going into public universities that are funding these studies that find things like um the coronavirus cure uh whatever um i mean right now we're seeing like companies fight over who can patent it first but that that's a whole different process most of this research is actually going on um in these uh in these public universities but yeah, also lots going on here in chapel hill too oh yeah yeah we're at the heart of it i think yeah i mean um, it's, it's kind of crazy here yeah. Um, so, but it, 
in a free market, and I, I told you I wanted to talk a little bit about capitalism, because this is actually, I didn't get to mention at the beginning, but I've shifted uh, to the left a uh, significant portion uh, over the last year, year, year or two. Um, uh, under the market incentives uh, in capitalist market economies, um, companies will always value increasing price. Uh, keeping the price as high as possible to the willingness to pay uh, of the customers. I think we kind of agree on that's basic. You're in, I met you in an econ group chat. So <laughs> I, I think we know this. Um, and with price elasticity, meaning that um, uh, people are willing to pay for medicine, uh, like they will do anything to pay for the medicine that they need to survive. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense. It's like buying food. You, you'll pay anything yeah. to get the food you need. See, that that core structure to the market leads me to believe that a system where private industries are allowed to freely compete will not work because people will be paying exorbitant prices for these drugs and dying and there will be a huge societal cost economically politically socially etc because people are having to pay um uh, most of their wages for these um, basic things that they need to survive. And I think that's where the government needs to step in and kind of check the market in a way. Um, I, do we agree on that? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, there's, there's definitely some things where the government needs to step in. Um, I'm a big fan of Teddy Roosevelt. Um, so, yeah, I agree that government action is necessary uh, to maintain a free market because um, we're not a purely free market, obviously. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a mixed economy where there is some government control, but there is still private industry. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, we agree that there needs to be more involvement. I imagine where we disagree is to how involved the government should get. Because I still think the market should remain private and free and open uh, with competition. Because in a in a market economy like the one we have, well, are you um, wait real quick? Are you referring specifically to the drug market and the health insurance market, or just broadly speaking? I mean, in a general sense, um, but to a certain extent, I mean, obviously the rules of the market do, and well specifically to healthcare when it comes to government reg uh, intervention on this specific issue, I agree. Um, you know, it's, it, I'd like to take it issue by issue um, because I yeah. want to broadly generalize, like, yes, government needs to be more involved because, you know, there's some cases where it doesn't, some cases where it does, you know. Um, on this specific issue, yeah, there's, like, uh, sorry, not government, a company should not be able to charge um, bankrupting levels of prices um, for something that someone needs to survive. Yeah, um, I, and I, I, I'm glad we agree on that. Uh, um, by the way, I would I just want to direct your attention to the chat where uh, Dennis linked a, uh, linked a really good uh, chart um, showing how our healthcare system ranks in terms of overall quality. Just kind of complex to measure, but um, yeah. Oh, which one shows. is that one? Is that the orange link? It's the it says treatment outcomes at the top. Uh, it shows that the U.S. Um, in terms of uh, the HAQ rating, uh, healthcare quality and access rating, it it has an eighty seven percent, whereas a comparable country average uh, in most statistics will would be ninety 
what is that, 3%? Yeah, 93.7%. Um, is this in the uh, general one? This is in general, yeah. Okay, oh, okay, you mean the picture. Sorry, I was looking at the links themselves, and I was like, uh, I was a little confused. Okay, yeah, yeah I see what you're talking about now. But broadly, I think that um, in most in, in most uh, industries that are utilities, I think that that's, that's kind of my rule uh, when it comes to these kinds of things, and this might be my little... My last little hold on to um, social democracy that I believed in a couple months ago. Um, but I believe that the government should control major utilities in the sense that they, there's no incentive to jack prices like on for your power bill or now your internet bill because that's becoming an extreme utility for people. Uh, and mm-hmm. Spectrum, uh, at least here, has been gouging the fuck out of me and gouging the fuck out of everybody here because they know that they're on fucking Zoom for their classes. I mean, there are NGO. I mean, there are, there are governmental corporations here in North Carolina. I think Duke, Duke Energy is one. But it's private enough and it has enough economic power by itself and it's not regulated enough to the point where it, it, it's basically the same thing, where we're being charged ex- extreme prices. When, when out, when, whereas in other countries... Um, the they this doesn't exist i mean there's just no incentive in capitalism to provide high quality um in uh utilities of of any kind whether you're talking about power healthcare um if if uh companies had their way they would charge a fuck ton more for food but luckily we have regulations in place that prevent them from doing that um yeah uh, i i would now uh, that, I kind of I kind of disagree with the statement about they they don't care about quality because I mean if you look at the uh, advertisements for internet it's all about quality you know like thirty megabits a second hundred megabits you know um, and yeah definitely internet around here specifically has been an issue um, like my friends who live in their own house they have problems with it uh, here in my fraternity's house we have issues with it um, and so. Uh, this is one of those things where it's kind of like a phone bill, you know. If you don't like it and you want it lower, you threaten to cancel. Um, sometimes that that can get you to the price you want and the price you can afford. Um, sometimes it can't, and you have to follow through and look for other options because you know a lot of companies are always look companies are always looking for new customers. And if you say I'm willing to leave my um, my situation, uh, what can you give me? You know, like what? How right. can you incentivize me? Yeah, um, and they oh. can do that. Um, yeah, my whole point is that there is no incentive. For example, um, the, I, I think of the postal service, and I think of the electricity companies back in the 1930s, um, before we passed the TVA, which basically forced electricity companies to kind of electrify the whole place because it's not profitable for the post office to do what it does, and its mission being to deliver mail to every mailbox. But we make them do it because if we lived in a um, an Amazon controlled um, mail market, uh, yeah, we we wouldn't get um, mail to people in like in the middle of Montana or whatever because it's just not profitable. You can't do that. There's no market there. Um, and I think uh, I think the same goes for internet nowadays. Um, we have a huge problem here out west and in some communities to the east uh, near the coast where um, uh, internet is uh, not, not accessible to many communities because 
it's just not profitable to to bring internet out there, and thus they can't develop economically. Uh, now, how new... how far west are you uh, referring to? I, I'm referring to like literally like like Wyoming. Like I mean, okay. it, it, it this happens in most rural communities. Rural broadband is actually a really really huge issue now. I mean, um, just to speak uh, from personal experience on that for a little minute, um. Like, yeah, in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, Montana, you're not going to get great internet. But, like, in places like Jackson Hole or in Cody, Wyoming, um, you know, a couple big cities there. Right. Um, or Cheyenne. Like, all those places I've been. And the internet, you know, it's it's not, I mean, it's not bad. Like, it's not, yeah, I mean, right. it's like normal internet. But, uh, I mean, definitely, like, the more rural areas, it's it's harder to get to. Um I don't think that government control is necessarily the best option in the sense that they should take over and create like a government corporation to do it. Well, I think well, there should be, in, I think like uh, how we're doing it around here in North Carolina, there should be incentive, there should be incentives to do it. Um, well, like what, what, to, I'm, I'm sorry. Can I clarify my position here? I, yeah, I believe yeah. in um, municipal broadband um, in the sense that uh, like in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I remember this story. Um, the, the government of Chattanooga, uh, realized that, uh, the internet company there was not going to be providing, um, good broadband to its citizens for cheap. And that, that, that's the big thing here. Cheap. Like if you, cause most places, if you go to New York city, internet's kind of cheap, uh, because there's a lot of fucking people there. And if you raised a lot of prices, people would get pretty angry. But if you you're in Wyoming, you don't really have that much, uh, labor power, right? You can't really stand up to those corporations. And what Chattanooga wanted to do is they wanted to provide that for their citizens as well. And they created a municipal broadband program and everything was fine and people were really, really happy with it. But then I think it was Time Warner. Uh, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, they stepped in and they lobbied the fuck out of the government and they basically pumped money um, or they brought their business elsewhere. God, I can't remember who did it. Uh, man, it's been a minute since I've read that. Um, they basically did everything in their power to make sure that internet was not provided to everybody and they had complete control over that market. They basically competed with the government until the government lost. Uh, and that is what scares me because now, now sorry. Oh, because now, now people in Chattanooga just don't have access to good, reliable internet, uh, that could easily pro be provided by the government. Uh, they they have to rely on like one or two major corporations to do it. Um, now, are you saying like uh, like the government itself was the provider, or were they like you like did they have a partnership with private business? Uh, the are you talking about municipal broadband? Yeah, yeah, like uh, specifically in Chattanooga. Uh, I'm pretty sure they uh, this happens in cities like all over. I think it's a big thing in Texas as well. Um. Municipal broadband is, is, is it's just it's not done through any third party. It's just the the government like will set up. Um, I I guess I'm not sure specifically how it worked there, but I'm pretty sure they started just a program where if you needed broadband, they can bring broadband to your house, like wire it to your house. Um, okay. they, it's it's like electricity, basically, kind of the way we do electricity. I that mean, makes sense. Yeah. Um. So. Again, to reference my aunt and uncle, they live in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, and their right. city's doing something like that. Um, they have some sort of agreement with like Spectrum or AT and T, like whatever, you know. Um, 
I feel like that uh, is probably one of the better ways to do it so that the government doesn't wind up just creating this infrastructure. And if they do start lobbying hard and their efforts are successful, then the government basically has built all this infrastructure for, you know, internet service and that they don't need. Um, so I feel like private partner uh, co-partnerships uh, co might be the best solution. Because, I, like, I mean, if you're talking about uh, internet in bulk, like, they're going to give you a decent deal about it. Um, and I don't know, I'm hesitant to say it's, like, directly to your house, but, like, if you go to a park, or like city hall, like where you know, like some some part of the city, um, basically within city limits, like you can get the internet, and so I, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as places like Montana and Wyoming go, um, I'm not, you know, like I don't know how they would want it done. Um, I'm not familiar with their situation enough to give them a proposed uh, solution, but I mean, I assume like. If you get the right kind of partnership, you, you can get it pretty much anywhere. You know, there's cell towers all over this country. Um, and so, you know, you work, you use that to kind of piggyback. I'm sure you could do it. It wouldn't be a direct wired connection, obviously, but there's definitely, you know, workarounds and, and mm -hmm. a way to bring both private enterprise and public, uh, like the public need together and find a middle ground. Right. Yeah, I, I I linked the articles. Um, yeah, uh, basically Avery kind of outlined it. Um, it's a city-owned agency. The Electronic Power Board runs its own network, offers higher speed service than any of its private sector competitors, and specifically the number is one gigabit internet, like fiber optic shit, versus mm -hmm. 300 megabit, which is the best offered by Time Warner, even after net neutrality got rid of everything and they had... Uh, they could have charged you higher for faster internet, whatever. So I, I think I think that, that that specifically is a place where the government can step in on principle and in practice. Um, yeah, uh, and she's just laying out how they're kind of expensive to maintain. But it, it does create economic growth in the new age, I think. But I actually kind of want to move to a different topic here. Broadly yeah, speaking, what do you think about capitalism? And capitalism, I'm going to define here as the private ownership of uh, the means of production, meaning um, like uh, a private individual board, whatever, stockholders own the company rather than socialism, which is where workers control um, what's called your surplus value, the revenue of the business, basically. Um, what do you think about that? And it's um, also, def uh, actually, wait, let me add a little bit more. It's like okay. defined by an employer-employee uh, hierarchical relationship. Uh, where you kind of have to listen to your employer, your employer pays you a wage, and you provide work to that employer. Like, what do you think about that? Oh, I mean, that's just, uh, again, the middle ground. Um, pure, unabashed capitalism is a very toxic market that will um, inevitably, inevitably um, become controlled by, you know, monopolies, and th there will be issues that arise from it. Um, and socialism i'm not a fan of um there are some aspects that sound good but i mean so i, I think this was mentioned in the chat you know socialism is the transition point to communism so and communism has clearly failed um even china has abandoned some of its uh communist values like they're open to trading you know like they 
like they the government still has control over the businesses but in like a weird faux capitalistic sense if that may, it's it's a weird system okay um, if i so, can yeah. if i can oh, yeah, quickly quickly um explain uh the, there was a big misconception right there communism has actually never happened uh when they when we talk about um socialism being a middle point between communism and capitalism marx talked about capitalism being the first step to achieving communism communism is defined as a stateless stateless uh, meaning that there's there's no overpowering overarching state a classless meaning there is no distinction between uh, the broader society in terms of ownership of the means of production and wealth therefore and everybody else a and a moneyless society um that it's that's that's just a hypothetical utopian kind of state of society where humans can exist and live their lives like whatever it's really it's really high in the sky communism is not an economic system i mean it is yes but no, it really isn't. It's just really an at like a how you could kind of categorize society, like how you would look at it from an onlooker's point of view. Socialism is just a mechanism to get there, um, in the sense that socialism basically means democratizing the workplace. That 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 really what it comes down to is you go to work every day, you live, uh, you work under a government, whatever you there at the end of the week you go you meet up with all your fellow workers and you decide hey this is what we're going to do with our revenue you basically control that whereas in a capitalist enterprise you would basically have no say and you would be kind of forced by your employer um to work for them longer and have the incentive to work longer hours for lower wages um and you're not really getting the value of your labor you don't really have control over what you do and what you produce does that make sense um yeah uh now again i, I think I, I, that's not entirely accurate i mean you have control over like how much you value your work like if you go into a job and you like you you become your own boss like that's totally possible um and that's actually what so, i'm arguing for it's so like but i don't think socialism is the way to do it i think in a capitalist society it promotes it in a better way. Like here, you know, in America, you can go to a trade school, you can become HVAC certified, you know, you start your own company, you can make well over $100,000 a year. Um, but as far and, and it works, you know, in the corporate world, you know, you have boards, you have stockholders, you know, you have you have people who, I mean, it's it's top to bottom management. And I mean, that's just the most efficient way to do it, because you have people who are proficient in this area you know like you're not going to become a ceo of a company or you're not going to sit on the board unless you're educated and you have some valuable you know insight or experience and so i don't think like if you gave control over a business to the workers um i don't think that business would last long uh, because not everyone knows like the intricacies of business not everyone knows, like, if you do this, what will happen. And that's not to say that people are stupid or anything, but just, you know, like, not everyone is as familiar with the nuances of everything. I think a capitalist system is more efficient, um, it's more beneficial, and in America alone, since, like, eight, the 1850s, um, 
it's create America has created more wealth um, than it, there has ever existed in the world, just because like capitalism has allowed us to do that, and in a capitalist society, you know, we're able to we're able to go through boom and bust cycles, whereas in a socialist society, it's like you know, it's problematic because there's really no way for businesses to long term survive if the workers are the ones always making the decisions. Because mm-hmm. someone that's making a decision doesn't know what's going on. And okay. if they, you know, are able to control what happens, then there's your issue. Yeah. Um I- I'm gonna get to that in a second. Uh Wilson, I have a question for you. Do you like cranberries? Not really, why? The corporation that basically kinda owns the cranberry market is a corporation called Ocean Spray. I don't know if you've ever bought, like, I think they, they have some grapes, too. But basically, it's a cooperative. That's exactly what I'm talking about here. And it's been around for about, what, 70, 80, 90 years now. I think it, this is its 90th year anniversary. Um, basically, the way it works is that the profits of the company, I mean, every, like, the farmers uh, who work under the company decide where the revenue goes. And if there's excess revenue, it just gets distributed back to the farmers. So what they do is, okay, they made like, let's say a billion dollars in profit um, or or in revenue the previous year. They have to spend a hundred million to go back into the company to fund, to expand the um, enterprise, whatever, like pay new farmers, whatever it is. And that an extra $900 million is up to the workers to do whatever they want. And typically what they do is they just pay themselves. <laughs> they just pay themselves and they're, they're immediately better off. And, it, and uh, that, uh, what, what um, uh, Listener 4 <laughs> is uh, linked us in the chat is one of the strongest corporations in the country, the entire country of Spain, uh, where they federate, kind of like how our government does, like local, state, federal government. Um, like they federate like layers of cooperatives of groups of people who make decisions and studies have found and y'all should really put up pull up the study for me because I don't have it at hand that worker cooperatives worldwide there there's tons of these things um, they are overall provide better job security a more stable business environment a more stable business economically um Work, higher worker satisfaction. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're getting paid more. Oh, yeah, and overall higher pay. I mean, like, those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, there you go. There's the study uh, that found all that information. Um, see, that that's my thing. I just think that capitalism, as most people understand it, can be very much improved. Um, if, if we, instead of giving, like we were talking about in the beginning, remember we are talking about in the beginning, how... That money that the federal government gave, which was lobbied by, by, the, by these corporations, it did not go to the workers. It instead disproportionately went to the tops of the companies. They spent those back buying their own stock, which, by the way, was illegal up until 1997 uh, because of the New Deal. Um, we, and none of that money went back to the workers. And see, see my problem with capitalism is that I hate it. I absolutely hate it when people sit there and they make money off of doing nothing. 
And that, my friends, is what owning stock is. If you own stock in a company, you just, you're making money off of owning something. And I don't like that. Like, you're not doing anything. You're not working. You don't deserve it. And I think that's a common misconception that gets flipped on socialists. I mean, we just don't want free money. We, we, we want people to make what they earn. Wait, fuck. Earn what they make. Does that make sense? Um, I guess, but I, I mean, I don't see why there's an issue with someone making money off their stocks. I mean, to get involved in the stock market is a huge risk. And if your risk is, I mean, if you, if you make money off of it, yeah, I mean, you should be rewarded for it. If your risk falls through and you invest in a, in a bad company, you lose money. I mean, it rewards, you know, good action, basically. Um, yeah, but... Like you say, that... you're not doing anything in the sense of like, well, yeah, they're not out there, you know, like building railroads or, or farming or anything, but they're contributing to the economy. They're making our economy healthier. I mean, they're helping, they are, they're helping what... this business. In what way are they, like, physically helping the bit? Like, well, okay, let, 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 hold on. Let's just agree on this. Do you think that people, okay, anybody, should be able to just kind of just, just mess around, live off of, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Paris Hilton. People talk about Paris Hilton sometimes. I don't know if you know who she is. She's the son of the, uh, sorry, daughter of the, uh, the uh, hotel magnet. Um, She's like an actress, isn't she? Yeah, she she went into acting, but that let's let's forget that. Imagine you're the son of or daughter of a millionaire, billionaire, whatever. You don't have to work for anything your entire life because everything is paid for. And and I think I disagree with that because you're not really contributing or helping society. I think that people should be rewarded for their labor. That that's it. And I I I think that um, people in the who work. Say I work at Walmart, and I contribute mm -hmm. a fuck ton to Walmart, like maybe $100,000 over my career, whatever it is. I should own stock in the company because I put in my labor forever. And I think basically that all workers should have stock in their company. That's it. That, that nobody, no private actor that has nothing to do with a company should own stock in a company. I think that the workers should own the stock in the company. Because that makes the most sense. They are the wealth creators. They are the job creators, I guess. They are the people who make the business run. And I think it's more efficient, and we don't have smoochers and people who are just kind of leeching off of the labor of other people. I, 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 do you agree with me on that? I, don't I, like I wouldn't consider um, Paris Hilton or investors leeches. Uh, you know, personally, you know, I would like to get into investing. It's just a way to make money. Um, I mean, exactly. you're directly helping, you know, the business and thereby helping the employees because you're providing capital to it. And so by providing that capital, you're indirectly helping pay for that person's paycheck. Um, and in the specific case of Paris Hilton, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. You know, she didn't, I mean, she didn't create that business, but her dad did, or she didn't create that wealth, but her dad did. And because that was his wealth, you know, He's allowed to do whatever he wants with it. And so if he chooses to give it to his daughter, like, I, I see no problem with that. Like, that's his. So, I mean, why shouldn't he be able to give it to his children? Well, okay. My, my, my main concern comes with what, like, the first thing you said. First thing you said is that uh, people who buy stock in a company, and correct me if I'm wrong before I, before I kind of tear this down a little bit. 
uh, sorry, but uh, that people who buy stock in a company are helping the company and helping like the workers, right? Is that what you said? Uh, they're providing capital to the business, and so yeah, they are. They do help the company by providing capital. Yeah. Okay. And then thus increasing the value of the stock. I mean, yeah. Okay, and somebody should give me the numbers on this because I'm lazy. Uh, <laughs> um, most of the money that comes from stock, from from this stuff, from government bailouts, whatever it is, it disproportionately goes to the upper echelons of the company. Now, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I think I think philosophically that this this cannot be resolved. This this is a di what's called a dialectic, a, a divide. There, there's a divide that cannot be solved unless the system is changed. See, but hypothetically, if that were true, I would love that because that means the business can expand, it can grow, but this money overwhelmingly goes to CEO pay, to board of directors pay. And that's why, and I think this is a really big problem. I think we both agree that it's a problem that, um, uh, fuck. CEO pay used to be in the 1960s, I think it was about 30 times as much as your average worker. Not your lowest paid worker, but your average worker. Nowadays, it's like 300, 400, 500 times, but it mostly comes from this because our stock markets, especially after the repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act in 1997, have become so unregulated and companies can just buy back their own stock and keep making themselves more money that way. And it gives big companies a lot of power, and it actually hurts the workers. The, this, this doesn't go into, you don't see Amazon, unless Bernie intervenes, uh, boosting worker pay to $15 an hour, like, a, like a, what's called a living wage, but in many places actually isn't. I, I, you don't see that happen, and I think there's a fundamental flaw in capitalism in that way. Um, now, specifically to touch on that, um... I don't have a problem with a company paying its CEO um, whatever it deems fit um, because that's, I mean, you know, you're, you're the head of the, I mean, you're, you're the head honcho, you know, you obviously have some experience, you're educated, so you've invested in yourself um, or your parents have, whatever. Um, I mean, like, I don't have a problem with how much a CEO is paid. Like, that's totally up to the company itself. Um, I mean, yeah, like, it's ridiculously high. But I mean that's, I mean that's like the the point of leadership is that when you're in that position, you get to make more money. Like that's why you're. That's why the incentive is for you to go to school, like, or for some people to go to school to get a degree, to get involved in the corporate world, and to work their way up the chain of command, so that one day they can be the guy making the six, seven figure salary. Um, I mean personally, I don't have an issue with it. Like if you're making a ton of money, like good for you. But I mean that doesn't really affect me you know like if you're i mean like i i just i don't see a problem with that like that's just the free market at work do you know where steve jobs went to school uh did, was he a dropout yeah he was a college dropout um yeah, I mean, yeah see see uh ceos like bill gates he dropped out of college zuckerberg was a dropout of college they didn't do this because they started making a fuck ton of money. I mean, maybe in some individual cases that's true. But overall, capitalism does not value people who are smart. <laughs> people who 
people who actually go to school, get their education, whatever, those become worker bees, dude. I, I think there's no, I think this idea that just because the hierarchy results in like one person at the top, that person's a super genius. It's just not true. I That's mean, not it's what just, I'm saying. well, uh, hold on, let me finish here. Um, I, I think that uh, just, I think that it's a, it's a thing of luck that there's, there's a, it's, there's, there's a big thing where, um, like you, you say you start a new industry like Amazon, for example, I, I think they came into the book industry, right? They sold a lot of books. They, they did pretty good. And then they just started coming into more and more and more industries and they made a fuck ton of money. And, but all they did was just come into a new industry and dominate that industry. That's all they did. They didn't do anything to deserve that. There was just no other market there. I mean, there was nobody else selling that product the way they were. Um, and I, I think that that's not as much um, like an indication that the entrepreneur is doing really good. It's just, it's just luck. Like if somebody starts a startup in a new industry like Lyft or Uber, whatever, it's just that they, that they just, just came into a new industry. That, that, that was it. Like it, it's just luck. I mean, businesses fail and succeed, but I mean, th there's definitely more than just luck. Um, you know, I agree as with far that. As like some, as far as some, I mean, like you have to look for where there's a demand, right? Like you can't just start up a fast food chain and get lucky. Like no, you have to find what makes you stand out and what makes people want to purchase your product. Like it's it's never just blind luck. And mm -hmm. to speak on someone like. Uh, like Steve Jobs, you know, I mean, maybe he was a, I mean, he was a college dropout, you know, but I don't think that's relevant. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, he's obviously intelligent. Like he made a billion dollar company, him and Steve Wozniak. Um, well, Steve Wozniak was the, the college educated guy that actually like ran, ran the company. I mean, regardless of like what it was, like Steve Jobs made his money. Like he was smart. He played it smart. You know, no idiot can just be a billionaire. Like, if you're genuinely like, like a dumb person, like it's it's hard to become successful. I mean, unless you just work hard, you know. Like, do you, you know? You ever been to Russia before? <laughs> no, yeah. no. Yeah. That's a weird question. I've been. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting to that. <laughs> there, there are people. Uh, in one of our one of our friends listening in, we have we have actually a bunch of like people just listening in as I'm recording right now. Um. There, after the fall of the Soviet Union, basically a bunch of people who were members of the Communist Party at the time, they grabbed up, um, they grabbed up basically all the resources that the Soviet Union had. They they took the nuclear stockpile. They took um, that that was a whole thing. I don't even want to get into that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. They basically took a bunch of wealth and then they became billionaires. And these guys were kind of fucking dumbasses because they ran a country into the fucking ground. Like, I, I mean, uh, I just, I just think that it, it's not. There's no correlation there. You didn't really work for that. You, I you, mean, I, I think what they did is is objectively very different than what Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, or Bill Gates have done. Um, they basically just pillaged a country. Um, and obviously they, I don't think, I mean, these were people who likely have, like, 
some sort of standing. Like they had influence from the jump. Um, because mm-hmm. some dude just standing on the side of the street couldn't just snap up a quarter of like Russia's oil. Um, and like that, that's, that's completely different because the fall of the Soviet Union was just, I mean, it was a mess. And even still, they're dealing with the repercussions. Like Russia's oh. not, I mean, you know, like Russia's got its own issues relating to that. And I think in our system, like if you look at Jeff Bezos, um, Bill Gates, you know, all the guys you mentioned, like, they're obviously intelligent. Like, they went out and made billion-dollar companies. Like, that's, I mean, say it's luck, but the thing that Microsoft did was it offered a service better than pretty much anyone around, um, and it made it highly competitive. Like, it turned Internet software into a cultural phenomenon, like Windows 95. Like, people were excited for that. And then Facebook, like, it was just a new thing. He, like, he found something. Like started out, he's like, you know, like they made it in a college dorm, and it got popular. So they expanded it to other colleges, and they're like, wow, this is really, really picking up, you know. And so they made it public, and or like made it open to the public, and they made a lot of money. And I think it's very obvious that they made smart decisions. I don't think that they're somehow not deserving of what they've made and the profits from it. Well, I would disagree in the fact that, first of all, they made a billion dollars. See, they're... Okay, say you work... Well, actually, no, I'm going to get to this first. You talked about how the the party members in the Soviet Union, they pillaged the country. See, my no, argument... I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you're well, able to grab, like, a country... Well, no, I, 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 ag- I agree with you. No, I agree with you. I think they pillaged the country. Yeah. My... I take that a step further, and I think that these people... Like the the Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, whatever, name them. They pillage everyone. They pillage the market. They pillage their workers' labor specifically. Because in my view, Jeff Bezos, what, is he $200 billion now? Fuck. Like, who in their right mind thinks that some one man, one man is worth like his big brain, like his huge brain is worth $200 billion. That's him. And I think one other person <laughs> owns more wealth than half of America. Um, somebody needs to find my numbers. It's like a group of billionaires and then half of America. I don't think that's the way things work at that egalitarianly. I think that in the structure of a business, if you're paying people, Okay, say say I'm a boss. Say yeah, because I am a boss. Um, uh, that was a pun. It was a really bad pun. <laughs> I am incentivized to pay my workers as little, and it's it's just like drugs, as little as they would work for, right above the minimum wage or at the minimum wage or below the minimum wage if you lobby the government to cut it, right? We agree on this. That's I, I agree point. on what? I'm I'm sorry, I'm not. The, sure the, the the incentive of a business owner, an employer, whatever, to um to pay workers as little as they would work for. No, I mean, yeah, that's like how that's how business works. Right. That, that's how capitalism works, in my view. I'm gonna get to that. Okay. So say you work, you make an iPhone. All right, you're you're working for uh Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs. 
Um, I don't think Steve was Wozniak's first name. Wait, was it? I don't know. Um, the the value of making like a bunch of rare earth metals into a fucking iPhone is immense. It, even if you're just a little piece in the manufacturing process. You have to understand that they aren't getting paid what they're worth. They're getting paid as little as they would. Instead of getting paid what they're worth, and workers getting paid uh, controlling um, the revenue of the business, the, somebody else, somebody in the upper echelons of the company, so like an entrepreneur or somebody who, who really just came up with an idea, is telling them, hey, you have to work for as little as humanly possible. Not what you're really worth and what your real wage should probably be. Um, and the workers, unless they are in a collective group, like a union or something, um, they can't really argue with it. They kind of have to suck it up and deal with it. And I think that's a problem. I think that the workers should kind of determine their wages. And if they deserve it, fuck it, go for it. Pay, the, pay, yourself, pay yourselves more. As long as it'll, the business still stays afloat, you should you'd probably all agree to pay yourselves more or to do whatever you want with your money. It's just other people who have incentives to nip off the top. It's what, what's called um, stealing from your surplus labor value. Somebody could probably explain it way better than I just did. But that's why we see these concentrations of wealth in, a lot of, in, uh, in hands of fewer and fewer people. And it causes a lot of problems. Uh, and it's just not morally correct, morally right, uh, in my view. Um, because the, you just don't deserve it. I mean, just because you found a new market doesn't mean you're worth more money than somebody can make in 10,000 years working 24 hours a day. I don't think that's right. Um, but that's just my view. Um, now, a big thing about why that labor is so cheap is it's located. I mean, most rare earth minerals are found in mine out of China. Well, no, I'm just talking about I'm, well, I'm talking about a, a, a random business, McDonald's, whatever it is. Okay, I mean... I mean, even then, like, it's a low, I mean, objectively, making a burger at McDonald's is a low-skill job. Um, I mean, you get on-the-job training, but it doesn't really require any outside knowledge to do. Uh, you know, and so seven, like, you know, minimum wage is supposed to be, like, a short-time employment. Like, it's not supposed to be a permanent job. Um, unfortunately for some people, it is, but that's not what, that's not what minimum wage is designed to be. Well, I'm talking about systemically, like in the structure of the business, like any business, no matter if it's a uh, fuck, like you're working at uh, Apple or you're working at McDonald's, any job where somebody else above you controls how much you make, it's not going to be your labor because they are incentivized to pay you as little as possible. Um, and yeah, he, he's quoting a historical article um, about the minimum wage being established because that, that was brought on by unions to kind of compromise between capitalism and socialism. Um, but I'm talking about any business. It's just in the structure, the incentive structure of the two classes. We like commies, like commies, socialists, whatever. Lefties call the worker class the proletariat, uh, the working class. What and then and then the top, the people, the business owners, the employers are called the bourgeois, if you as you've heard. Like yeah. bougie. That's where that comes from. Like there is no the the incentive structure of the worker is to make as much money or to get the value of their labor because we all agree that people should make money when they work right uh, and not be paid for nothing 
So I that's what I'm talking about here. There's a there's a conflict there. There is a deep rooted conflict in what the bourgeois and the proletariat want. And the proletariat uh, will get oppressed, the 99%. Does that make sense? I mean, I think there's some, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some truth to what you're saying. Like, I, I don't know that they're directly in conflict, but I mean, from a business perspective, yeah, you need to cut, like, you're supposed to cut costs, raise revenue. Um, I just, I don't see it as black and white as these are two groups who are fundamentally against each other. Um, I think the success of both hinges on the success of the other. Like, um, a company is only good when people can buy its product. So if you start paying people like five cents an hour, they can't afford anything. Your company is going to go out, you know. Um, and so that, uh, that, that CEO is not going to have a job. Um, it's likely he'll lose his money as well. Uh, you know, because it's probably tied up in stocks like uh, Bezos. But I, I don't see this as like a, like a conflict. You know, I think it's, it's a well, symbiotic but, relationship. The worker produces and well, he does get some of the, you know, the benefits of his labor. Like that's how he gets a salary. That's how he gets paid. Um, and yeah, like a, the, the CEO gets paid more because he's in charge. Um, and when you think about it, you know, there's more responsibility on the CEO. Like when you're a worker, you know, odds are you're making like one product like over and over and over again. But when you're the CEO, you're in charge of everything. And so I, I don't think that the solution is paying CEOs less. I think it's up to the company how they decide to pay it. And I well, think that these two classes are, are symbiotic. Well, no, but like by definition, okay, you go into work, like say I'm going to get to the iron law of wages, which is what I'm talking about. That's the economic term for what I'm talking about. Um, and by the way, we're going to have to wrap this up in about 10 minutes. So we're, we're going to get close to making our closing points um, because it's gone, been going on a little bit. Um, uh, fuck. What was I, what was I about to say? Uh, oh yeah. The, the interests of, uh, like I said, the business, the employer, you're an employer. You want to pay your workers as little as possible. Like you you even said that they only get some of the value of their labor. Um, and if you're a worker, you want to get paid as much as possible. Like you, that that's what you want, right? Like if you're working at McDonald's, you want to get paid as much as you fucking want, right? I mean, I mean, that's that, why you that, go into other jobs. But no, 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 no. I'm talking about just general, like the structure of a business. I'm talking about your incentive as a person, no matter what other people give you. I mean, unless it's a cooperative, of course, then you don't have this problem. Um, you want to make as much as money as you can, right? You do agree with that. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's what most people's goal is, is to make money. There is a conflict between your interest and the interest of the business owner or the employer, whatever it is. And that's why it's not symbiotic. I mean, the workers, I mean, the boss, do, uh, the workers don't need the boss. And that's a common labor saying for hundreds of years. People have been saying that. But the boss needs labor because labor makes the value that they then take through this system of what's called wage slavery. That is actually the proper economic term. I mean, it's called wage labor, but they used to, the Republican Party 
in their 1864 platform. I'm 99% sure. I don't remember which year it was, but they put this in their party platform that they wanted to not only abolish slavery, but abolish wage slavery, which is what this is, which is what you're getting paid when you go to McDonald's. I mean, just because it's a wage rather than a salary, they're both wage. They're both wages. Now, my solution to this problem is that we let the workers do it. We get rid of the other class. There's no two classes. There's one class in the business. There's one group of people who have an incentive to just help each other, help each other to cooperate. And that is the goal of a cooperative. And it's an alternative to capitalism where you are being exploited. No matter what, every economist kind of agrees on that. You are being exploited. Um, that's my argument. That's it. Um. Okay. Um. It's a lot to to digest. Um, I guess in summary, I I'd say I I disagree. Um, I don't really like any of that. It's very not great. Um, what a minimum wage is is not wage slavery. It's designed for like a low skilled job that you're not supposed to keep very long. That's why you know, like it's not a great wage to work at McDonald's. Like the the idea is that you're not gonna work there long. Um the incentive is to get, you know, likely some form of education, uh, to get a better job to move into a different industry, um, to where you can be able to create more wealth for yourself and more wealth for the economy as a whole. Uh I mean it's it's totally up to you, like what you do with your life. And, you know, there are some there, in a perfect world, there wouldn't be, you know, systemic issues like we have in America socially, um, whether they be on race or, or whatever. Uh, so that, like, that's the issue I feel like we face now, which is making sure that, that equal opportunity is, is equal. Um, I feel like when that happens, this misconception of capitalism as this evil uh, system will change. And, you know, I think Ayn Rand was, was a big proponent of this, uh, of how capitalism just inadvertently was better. Like, when it comes to, like, being philanthropic, you know, in some ways, business leaders are encouraged to because it makes their company look good, it makes them look good, and people are more likely to buy their products. And, yeah, it's, it's selfish, you know, um, like Ayn Rand said, but there's a... There's a certain, oh God, what you call it, the something of selfishness, like the honor or virtue of selfishness. Um, I mean, like, yeah, selfishness as an idea is not great, but in a capitalist society, it produces benefits for everyone. Like, um, like Pepsi and Aquafina, right? They make uh, easier to recycle bottles. You know, they're not just doing that because it makes their company look better. It's also cheaper for them to bottle that because instead of using like, I don't know, an ounce of plastic, they use half an ounce. You know, they cut that price down um, and so the price can get lower so more people buy it and they say, oh, it's eco-friendly so more people will buy it because of that. Um, I just think the effects of a, of a mixed market economy where there is the proper regulation and control but it's not purely up to you know, a collectivized group. I think the I think the results have been very clear, uh, and uh, they've been very positive for everyone, not just workers, not just you know the proletariats or the bourgeois, as you said, like for everyone. Um, you know, 
in a capitalist system, you're free to move. You're free to do things. Like my, my grandfather does not have a college degree. Uh, he started out as a kid working in the mill in a one-bedroom house with 10 other siblings. And now he, he worked his way up out of high school. He got a, a gas station, and then he started his own furniture store. Now he has, you know, he has a, a really nice house. He has a beach condo and, uh, like, a lake house. And that's allowed my dad to get an education uh, in college, and that has allowed me to get this education I'm getting now. But in a, in a socialist society, I don't think you'd see that kind of mobility. I think people would, would be like trying to improve their wages all the time, but they wouldn't have any incentive to, to grow. But, but they would. I, I don't know where that last one comes from. But I'll, I'll tackle Ayn Rand. I think Ayn Rand, I started laughing really hard because Ayn Rand is a really funny story. Um, and Dennis even <laughs> messaged me. Um, Ayn Rand, uh, she. She talked the talk about capitalism. She she really fucking hated capitalism. I mean, uh, loved capitalism. Like, I mean, at least uh, corporate domination. I, I don't know. It, it, it's a weird kink. But anyway, um, she, for the last, like, what, 20 years of her life? 15 years? 10 years? She lived off of socialism, which I thought was very funny. It is an, it is an irony that the biggest proponent of capitalism in modern political thought um she 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 lived off of socialism and she didn't do anything for like the last years of her life uh that that is just the clear as this day example of why her philosophy was flawed and i i mean i disagree with all of your um notions about it but i, I don't think i have to respond again um yeah uh, we're, we were probably, uh, I'd probably like to wrap up soon, but, um, sure. there was a lot of things you said in there. Um, but, uh, fuck, I, I, I can't remember <laughs> to be honest. There was a lot, there was a lot there. Um, yeah, fuck y'all want to call it. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I want to go eat. I'm a little bit hungry. All right. Yeah. Uh, Wilson, thank you so much for coming on. I know we didn't agree, but I, I think I heard I heard the gears turning in your brain. I, no, I think it was a conversation. I, for sure. It was it was a conversation. Now I'm not a scary commie. I'm not gonna go take your toothbrush. I will not take your toothbrush. I don't want your fucking toothbrush. I will, however, want you to earn the value of your labor. <laughs> I, I I want I want you to make what you earn. Be like your grandpa, except not own a business because that's oppressive. Um, my, I, I hope, I hope you, you change your mind, man. I, I really do. And I, I, I listened, and I, I'll read more into it. I'll read more into what you talked about, and maybe I'll change my mind. Who knows? Um, uh, and everybody listening, I hope you've thought a little bit about uh, these these systemic kind of problems. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add? I don't know anything to end us off, off with. End us off on a good note. I mean, no. I mean, I'm I I enjoyed it. You know, I'd be more than happy to come back sometime. Uh, I can get if if you'd like, I can get you probably some real professionals who know a little bit more about government and action than me. Um, to talk oh yeah, about dude. I'm a dumbass. I want to learn some shit. <laughs> I mean, go government's just a. It's an interesting beast, man. 
the politics is 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 very weird because most of the time it's just fake. <laughs> yeah, uh, fuck politics. Fuck, uh, fuck, uh, government. Fuck pro government. Uh, anti politics. Yeah, I'm glad we agree on that, man. <laughs> um, hey, I just want you to have a good day, man. This was too, fun. Man. <laughs> You, I, I'm glad, I'm glad, I was really scared this was gonna be a fucking screaming match, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. That, yeah, maybe, like, there's, maybe there's hope for humanity. Maybe there's fucking hope out there, holy shit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll see you around. Um, right, you have yeah. a good one, man, enjoy our mental health day tomorrow. Oh, hell yeah, we love mental health. We love when oh, yeah, people give a sure. fuck about their students. Anyway. Um, yeah, all right, cool. All right, see you, man. Have a good one. See ya.